Hello, and welcome to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I am your host, Mr. Miller. This podcast will cover a number of topics that happened on this date in history. Please visit the podcast webpage at thishappentoday.buzzsprout.com. There you can download the notes page, which will help you organize the information, as well as develop your own ideas on how these events change the world around us. If you're interested in hearing more, please consider subscribing so you will not miss out on what happens tomorrow in history. Today is August 4th. In the 1980s, the financial sector suffered through a period of distress that was focused on the nation's savings and loan, or S&L, industry. Inflation rates and interest rates both rose dramatically in the late 1970s and early 1980s. This produced two problems for SNLs. First, the interest rates that they could pay on deposits were set by the federal government and were substantially below what could be earned elsewhere, leading savers to withdraw their funds. Second, the SNLs primarily made long-term fixed-rate mortgages. When interest rates rose, those mortgages lost a considerable amount of value, which essentially wiped out the SNL industry's net worth. Policymakers responded by passing a Depository Institution's Deregulation and Monetary Control Act of 1980, but federal regulators lacked sufficient resources to deal with losses that were SNLs were suffering. So instead, they took steps to deregulate the industry in the hope that it could grow out of its problems. The industry's problems, though, grew even more severe. Ultimately, taxpayers were called upon to provide a bailout, and Congress was forced to act with significant reform legislation as the 1980s came to a close. SNLs have their origins in the social goal of pursuing home ownership. The first SNL was established in Pennsylvania in 1831. These institutions were originally organized by groups of people who wished to buy their own homes but lacked sufficient savings to purchase them. In the early 1800s, banks did not lend money for residential mortgages. The members of the group would pool their savings and lend them back to a few of the members to finance their home purchases. As the loans were repaid, funds could then be lent out to other members. SNLs, sometimes called thrifts, are generally smaller than banks, both in number and in the assets under their control but they were nevertheless important conduits for the U.S. mortgage market. In 1980, there were almost 4,000 thrifts with a total assets of $600 billion, of which about $480 billion in mortgage loans via the FDIC. That represented half of the approximately $960 billion in home mortgages outstanding at the time from the Board of Governors in 2013. The relatively greater concentration of SNL lending and mortgages, coupled with the reliance on deposits with short maturities for their funding, made savings institutions especially vulnerable to increases in interest rates. As inflation accelerated and interest rates began to rise rapidly in the late 1970s, many SNLs began to suffer expensive losses. These rates they had to pay to attract deposits rose sharply, but the amount they earned on long-term fixed-rate mortgages didn't change. Losses began to mount. As inflation and interest rates began to decline in the early 1980s, SNLs began to recover somewhat, but this basic problem was that regulators did not have the resources to resolve institutions that had become insolvent. For instance, in 1983, it was estimated that it would cost roughly $25 billion to pay off the insured depositors of failed institutions. But the Thrift's Insurance Fund, known as the FSLIC, had reserves of only $6 billion. As a result, the regulatory response was one of the forbearance. Many insolvent thrifts were allowed to remain open and their financial problems only worsened over time. They became known as zombies. Moreover, capital standards were reduced by legislations and decisions taken by regulators. 
Federally chartered SNLs were granted the authority to make new and ultimately riskier loans other than residential mortgages. A number of states also enacted similar or even more expensive rules for state chartered thrifts. The limit on deposit insurance coverage was raised from $40,000 to $100,000, making it easier for even troubled or insolvent institutions to attract deposits to lend with. As a result of these regulatory and legislative changes, the SNL industry experienced rapid growth. From 1982 to 1985, thrift, thrift industry assets grew by 56%, more than twice the 24% rate observed in banks. This growth was fueled by the influx of deposit as zombie thrifts began paying higher and higher rates to attract funds. These zombies were engaging in a go-for-broke strategy of investing in riskier and riskier projects, hoping they would pay off in higher returns. If these returns didn't materialize, then it was taxpayers who would ultimately foot the bill. Since zombies were already insolvent and the FSLIC's resources were insufficient to cover the losses. Texas was the epicenter of the thrift industry meltdown. In 1988, the peak year for FSLIC-insured institution failures, more than 40% of thrift failures, included assisted transactions nationwide, had occurred in Texas. Although they soon spread to other parts of the nation, emblematic of the excesses that took place, in 1987, the FSLIC decided it was cheaper to actually burn some unfinished condos that a bank a bankrupt Texas SNL had financed rather than to try and sell them. Finally, by the late 1980s, Congress had decided to address the thrift industry's problems. In 1989, it passed a Financial Institutions Reform, Recovery and Enforcement Act of 1989 that instituted a number of reforms in the industry. The main SNL regulator, the Federal Home Loan Bank Board, was abolished, as was the bankrupt FSLIC. In their place, Congress created the Office of Thrift Supervision and placed Thrift's insurance under the FDIC. In addition, the Resolution Trust Corporation, the RTC, was established and funded to resolve the remaining troubled SLCs or SNLs. The RTC closed 740 SNLs with assets of over $407 billion. The thrift crisis came to its end when the RTC was eventually closed on December 31, 1995. The ultimate cost to taxpayers was estimated to be as high as $124 billion. Unfortunately, the commercial banking industry also suffered its own set of problems over this period, both in Texas and elsewhere. This banking crisis also resulted in major reform legislation that paved the way for the period of stability and profitability until 2008. And in 2006, Ford Motor Company recalled 1.2 million large pickup trucks, SUVs, and vans because of a problem with the vehicle's cruise control systems that could lead to fire. This recall, in addition to the total of 4.6 million Ford vehicles that were called for the same problem last year. The vehicles being recalled are certain model year 1994 to 2002 F-250 through F-550 Super Duty trucks, 2000 to 2002 Excursion SUVs, 1994 to 1996 at Conaline vans, 1996 to 2002 E540 vans and 1998 Ford Explorer and Mercury Mountaineer SUVs. Diesel powered vehicles were not affected. In rare cases, the company said in a letter to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, brake fluid can leak through the cruise control deactivation switch, causing corrosion in the switch. This can cause the switch to overheat and possibly burn. The switch shuts off the cruise control when the driver firmly steps on the brakes. The switch is located under the hood of the vehicle and is attached to the brake master cylinder on one end and wired to the cruise control on the other. 
On most of its models, Ford designed the switch to be powered or hot at all times. Even when the vehicle is off, inside the switch a thin film barrier separates brake fluid from the switch's electrical components. In January 2005, Ford recalled approximately 800,000 F-150 pickups for the same problem. Later that year, after numerous Ford owners complained that their vehicles caught fire when their engines were off and the keys weren't in the ignition, CNN launched an investigation into fires in Ford vehicles that had not been recalled. In September 2005, Ford recalled certain Bronco, Expedition, Lincoln Blackwood, and Lincoln Navigator SUVs, as well as some of the Ford F-150s and F-250 pickups for the same problem. A total of 3.8 million vehicles were recalled at that time. Ford stopped using the switch in 2002. For owners who have questions or concerns about the recall can contact Ford or the NHTSA's Vehicle Safety Hotline. Ford stock was down Thursday morning on the reported doubling of second quarter loss in the recall news. And finally, in 2012, swimming the final race of his Olympic career, Michael Phelps gilded his resume just a bit more, helping the U.S. men's 4x100-meter medley relay team claim the gold medal at the London's Aquatic Center. Phelps turned away a surprising challenge from the Japanese team, which had the lead when he went into the water to swim butterfly, the relay's third leg. It was the 18th gold medal of Phelps' record-setting Olympic career. He leaves the London 2012 Games with 22 Olympic medals overall. Pardon the cheese here, but it won't be a surprise if we hear that Michael Phelps has hurt his face by smiling too much. The entire time he was on the podium, he couldn't stop. Even a couple of extremely deep breaths couldn't do much to set his face back into its normal, relaxed look. In Saturday evening's gold, final gold medalist backstroker, Matt Grievers, had put the U.S. team in first position at the start of the race, but the Japanese team wasn't far behind, and they took the lead from the bronze medalist Brenzen Hansen during the breaststroke. But it was down to Phelps, who was dogged by Japanese Takashi Matsuda before pulling away decisively in the final 50 meters. And when he punched the wall, gold medalist Nathan Adrian dove in and to end all question of an upset with a blistering freestyle leg. America's team final time was 3 minutes, 29 seconds, just under 2 seconds quicker than the Japanese team, which narrowly won the silver medal over Australia. You have been listening to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I thank you for listening, and I hope that you have enjoyed learning about historical events from the past. Thank you to the following websites for their information regarding today's topics. ThePeopleHistory.com FederalReserveHistory.org for the Savings and Loan Crisis 2006 Ford Recall at Edition.CNN.com and Michael Phelps wins 18th gold medal at voanews.com. The music used as the background track for this podcast is Americana, created by Kevin McLeod on Incompetech.com. If you enjoyed this information and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing as this will keep the historical events in your feed in the morning for each day. I hope you have a great day.